0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Several years ago, there was a group of friends who did almost everything together. They'd grown up together. They lived near each other as they became adults. They eventually start a business together, and they even traveled together. There was very little that happened within that group of friends that wasn't known by everyone else in the group. But as time wore on, it became evident that two of the members of the group started to spend more and more time by themselves. They happened to be brothers, so at first no one thought much about it. But after one of the trips that the group had taken, one of the friends called out to the two brothers in front of everyone. As we were out traveling, what were the two of you busy doing? First, the brothers didn't answer. Then the rest of the group began to think, and they began to chime in too and question, what were you doing while the rest of us were busy in the travels? Finally, the brothers relented, and the answer was revealed. They had been off planning and plotting how to restructure the business so that the two of them would be in charge and become the majority stakeholders of the company and leave the rest behind. They were taking the steps that were necessary to make sure that they were going to come out on top, even if it was at the expense of their friends. You can imagine how those friends responded. They were blindsided. They were angry. They were betrayed. How could two men that they had trusted their entire lives hurt them this way? Would they have really gone behind everyone's back and made plans to capitalize on the hard work of the whole group, call it their own, and take advantage of everyone else? Well, you can imagine how high their emotions were running as the coup was revealed. Many were angry that it happened, but probably a couple of them were also jealous they hadn't thought about how to do this first. At that point... That Jesus calls the twelve disciples together, sits them down, and talks about what it means to be the most important person in the room. Jesus talked to the disciples, who had learned about the betrayal of James and John, who were plotting to be the most powerful two disciples, and said, if anyone would be first, he must be last and servant of all. Dealing with that kind of betrayal Betrayal by people who are close to you. That's the theme found in all of our readings for this morning. The disciples had to deal with the betrayal that came from men who were their friends and their co-workers. James was writing to a congregation that was struggling with betrayal that had happened within the community of believers gathered together in one place. And Jeremiah His is probably the worst betrayal at all, because his betrayal was one that came from within the family. He had found out that his family was planning to kill him, because he had become an embarrassment as he taught about what God's word said. In each of these cases, the same pattern emerged. Betrayal begins as a jealousy. A plot is made in secret, and then when the plot becomes public, it causes great harm, and everyone's left wondering, what do we do next? This is the plot of countless movies and books. Time and again, this narrative arc is used to propel a story forward, to keep us captivated and wondering, When will the betrayer be uncovered? When will the culprit be caught? When will the victim be vindicated? It captures our attention because in some ways it's a storyline that we all live to varying degrees over the course of our lives, both as the culprit and as the victim. So what's the betrayal that's hurt you? Did it come from a friend that you thought you could trust did they reveal a personal struggle did they steal from you did they have an affair with someone you loved did your betrayal come from a coworker who or a group of coworkers who ruined your reputation by maligning your work feeding you bad information starting rumors about you sabotaging your career or placing a team failure at your feet Maybe your betrayal is the hardest of all. One that comes from within your family. The very people you're supposed to be able to trust above all else. A family member who betrays you by not protecting you from abuse, who betrays you by stealing from you, or from an ailing parent or grandparent, or by, who betrays you by being so disagreeable with you and everyone else that they destroy the family in which you lived leaving you feel all alone, maybe leaving you feel as an orphan. Betrayal, as we saw in our readings for today, comes in all kinds of ways. And when it comes, as James describes, it brings with it disorder and every vile practice. Betrayal is so vile that the catechism places betrayal soundly within the fifth commandment. Thou shalt not murder, God has declared. And murder comes through the betrayal of the heart, our words, and our action. For when we do not protect our neighbor's lives, when we use our words to damage his reputation, when we try and push him out of our business and steal his livelihood, we murder him. We kill him. This is why traitors are so reviled in history or in the stories we read and watch on TV. Their actions are detestable because it destroys the life of the person betrayed. That's what a traitor does. wreaks havoc, destroys lives, brings disorder and vile practice. We hear this in the words of Jeremiah this morning. He's just found out that his own family's trying to kill him because they're ashamed that he's preaching the word of God, serving as God's prophet. And so God comes and he reveals this plot to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah cries out in lament, and we hear the pain in his voice. The Lord made it known to me, and I knew. Then he who showed me their deeds, I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know it was against me. They defies their schemes, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living. that his name be remembered no more. The death that Jeremiah's family wanted to bring upon him was not just the death of his own life, but that he would die without offspring so that no one would remember he had ever lived in the first place. How do you overcome that kind of betrayal? How do you overcome the murderous acts of those who know you best, family, friends, co-workers? What do you do when they've plotted against you and you've uncovered that plot? How do you heal? You begin to heal by hearing what Jeremiah says in the middle of his lament. I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. What an image of betrayal this is. The first image that comes to mind is that he's talking about a shepherd who raises a lamb from birth, gains its trust, knows its name, and then leads it to be slaughtered without the lamb ever knowing what's coming. It's this idea of betrayal that draws us into his lament, allowing us to place ourselves in his shoes. But it's the second image that this verse brings to mind that points us toward healing. Because this is the picture of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, being led to his slaughter on the cross, betrayed by his people, betrayed by people who claim to know his heavenly Father, betrayed by a friend who kissed him on the cheek, betrayed by a family who claimed to not know his name. He became that Lamb who was slaughtered so that all who are betrayed and all those who betray and find healing and reconciliation, peace from their actions. In his betrayal, Jesus teaches the betrayed how to respond, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus is able to look past the jealousy, past the murderous deeds, past their disordered, vile practices, and he has compassion. His compassion on people caught up in their selfish desires And he has pity on them. He doesn't seek revenge, though the world around him would have championed it. He doesn't seek retribution, though the world around him taunts him to call down 10,000 angels and remove him from the cross and destroy his enemies. But he doesn't do that. He seeks to forgive. He does what the world does not expect, and he offers peace that leads to life everlasting. And this is the peace he offers to you. He gives this forgiveness to you for all the time you have betrayed him in your sin. For all the times you've betrayed others and murdered them with your own thoughts, with your own words and your own deeds. For all the times you've been disordered by jealousy and selfish ambition, he comes and he gives forgiveness to you. He becomes the lamb led to the slaughter so that you can have life everlasting. He received the kiss of a traitor so that you can receive his body and blood that brings the only peace found in this world. And he gives you this peace so that you can be at peace with him and so that when you are betrayed by others, you can give that peace to them. We see that promise given in the end of Jeremiah's text today. But Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the minds, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. Jeremiah does not seek vengeance upon the family that sought to betray him. Instead, he turns to God and demands, God, you deal with it. That's the instruction we have regarding the healing of the betrayal we feel. Let God deal with it. For if we seek our own vengeance, we find we'll be no better than the one who hurt us. But God has declared that we can turn it over to him, leave it up to him, and he will judge the righteous and unrighteous in his sight. And we let God deal with those who hurt us so that we can learn to to forgive as he has forgiven us. That is the hardest step of all. Because forgiveness means you no longer seek vengeance on those who hurt you. Forgiveness means you no longer seek retribution for their actions. Forgiveness means that you approach the one who betrayed you with grace the way that God approaches his people. This is not easy, and for many it may take a lifetime of work and still remain incomplete at the end of their days. But thanks be to God, His forgiveness is not conditional on the forgiveness we give to others. Instead, God continues to come into the midst of the people who sin against him, into the midst of people like us who betray him in our sin, so that he can call us to his feet once more and continue to teach. Anyone who would be first must be last and servant of all. He points us to the promises that he is the greatest of all servants, because he came to deliver us from our enemies and be our servant on the cross so that we could have life that lasts forever. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.